You're listening to the Goodbye July podcast, episode number six. Today, we're talking about five habits that will impress your boss and can help you land on their shortlist for raises and promotions. Before we jump in, I want you to look at your calendar to see if you've got your quarterly review coming up. I'm releasing this episode at the beginning of September, and if the company you work for is on a calendar year cycle, meaning their fiscal year starts in January at the same time as the typical calendar year does, you should be preparing to ask for your raise at your October review. And if you don't have a review set, make sure you set one up ASAP and make sure it's scheduled in October. If your company is not on a typical calendar year cycle, be sure to check when your fiscal year starts and prepare to ask for your raise about three months beforehand. And the reason for the three months beforehand is that a lot of companies set their budget for raises three months before the start of their fiscal year. So whenever your starts, just make sure you're prepared to set up your quarterly review and ask for your raise three months before the start of your fiscal year. If you want the lowdown on how to calculate your target pay number in terms of what kind of a raise you should be requesting and some guidance on how to decide on your plan for actually getting your target number and making the ask, check out episode number five at jessicatoller.com slash 005. It dives a bit deeper into the specifics of what I've done in my past to secure my biggest salary bumps when I was working for an employer. But the truth is you can't just waltz into a review meeting, ask for a raise, and assume it's going to be given to you. It takes some intentional work in the months leading up to your ask, and that's what we're going to dig into today, specifically five habits that will land you on your manager's shortlist for raises and promotions. And if you don't mind doing something for me, share this episode with a friend. Think of someone you know who has been hankering for a raise or a promotion and just text them the link to this episode and maybe episode number five as well to let them know that you think they'd like it. I want this podcast to help as many people as possible, so be sure to keep on sharing. Okay, let's get into it because today we're talking about the five simple to implement but powerful things you can do at work to position yourself for success. I'll share some examples of things I've done that have worked well in my own career And I'll tell the story of the time I told a potential employer that I was unqualified and why he hired me anyway. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven-figure net worth, quit my nine to five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way. If I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July Podcast. This episode of the Goodbye July Podcast is sponsored by PeerGrade Supplements. PeerGrade is the all-natural supplement line that I use to get clear-minded, stay energized, feel great, and make every day as effective and efficient as possible. PureGrade is offering 10% off exclusively for Goodbye July listeners. Just go to puregradesupplements.com and use the code GOODBYEJULY at checkout to get started and get your mind and body back today. 
Just real quick before we get started, I have something for you that you're going to love. It's a free resource on budgeting, and I know, I know budgeting may not feel like the most exciting topic, but it is the number one way to start on your path to mastering your money. There's no getting around it. It's just one of those things you have to do in order to move forward. But I've created a template that makes it much less painful. And once you fill it out once, the hardest part's over. Next month, you're only going to have to fill in a few of the blanks rather than create it from scratch. Seriously, don't put it off. It's not as bad as you think. And honestly, the longer you wait, the harder it'll be later. So go get your free template today at jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. Again, that's jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. Between launching this podcast, preparing for our move to El Salvador, and getting our house in Austin ready to rent out, things have been even more crazy in my life than usual, so I've really had to double down lately on how to stay focused and be the most productive I can with the 24 hours I've got in each day. I implemented several strategies that have helped me triple my productivity in three months from a business perspective, and that was while juggling the international move, house prep, and our social lives. So I wrote a blog post about it, which I'll link to in the show notes, and I was thinking more about this, and I realized I actually originally wrote the post because I'm one of those people who just geeks out on productivity. Like, I love a good checklist, and I love knowing I'm making progress toward moving toward my goals. But I was thinking back to my corporate career and how productivity was one of the things that was most powerful in terms of how I was able to get my managers to notice my work and ultimately secure pay raises and promotions. So I thought it would be helpful to talk about the specific habits to help you get noticed by your boss, and spoiler alert, productivity is one of them. But first, I want to talk about another habit, and I want to give an example of it by telling the story of the time I told a potential employer that I was unqualified for the job and he hired me anyway. So let's take it back to the summer of 2014. I was living in Dallas at the time, but I knew in my heart that I belonged in Austin, so I was relentlessly hunting for jobs that would take me there. I had heard an interesting statistic about men versus women and how men are actually much more likely to apply for jobs that they may not be qualified for, whereas women are more likely to only apply for jobs that they know they're for sure qualified for or that they're overqualified for. With this in mind, I was applying for positions that were either at the upper end of my skill set or even slightly beyond my skill set, and in one particular case, I was on an interview where this almost backfired. Essentially, what happened is I was talking to the interviewer who has since become a friend. His name is Bart Peluso, and he was working for Cisco, which is a big tech company based in California. He was the manager of the product marketing cloud team, and he was asking me this and that about the technical mechanics of cloud, and even after years in tech, this is something I still don't fully understand. So back then on that particular interview, I was so confused that I couldn't even come up with an answer that was remotely close to what he was asking me. So I told him that. I told him, I'm sorry to have wasted your time, but I'm not sure I'm qualified for this position. I'm really not a technical person. I thought this was a marketing role. A few days later, I was incredibly shocked to receive an email with an offer from Cisco and a note from Bart asking when I would be able to talk. When we got on the phone again, he told me that the reason he decided to offer me the job instead of many of the other people who got on the phone with him and told him they could do what he was asking was because you cannot teach honesty. 
He said he could teach me all of the other things I needed to know, but the fact that I was willing to admit that I didn't understand what he was asking me on the interview was a sign that I had integrity, and he said he'd much rather hire someone he knew had that trait versus someone who said they could do the job but may have been exaggerating their skill set. Since Bart hired me at Cisco, he later hired me again to work at a different, smaller, more startup-type business, and then when we both left that company, he offered me a position at a third company, but it was around that time that I decided I wanted to work for myself. But what I'm trying to say is that my honesty in that moment on that interview resulted in at least two jobs, almost three. So it is definitely worth it, at least in my experience, just to be honest. Honesty really is always the best policy, and it's something that will get you noticed by colleagues and managers, even if what you feel like you have to share doesn't feel like the best news. By telling the truth, the full truth, you save people time, you create an environment where you can course correct quickly, you save the company money, and being known as someone who will be honest no matter what, even when it's hard, is something that will definitely gain your manager's attention and more importantly, their respect. The next habit is my favorite, and in my opinion, it's the number one way to position yourself to get on your manager's shortlist, and that's to spend your time on goal-focused work. You may have heard the Pareto Principle, and I love it so much that it's currently the background on my phone, but if you haven't heard of it or if you need a refresher, it goes like this. 80% of outcomes are driven by 20% of efforts. Let me just repeat that because it's important. 80% of outcomes are driven by 20% of efforts. This basically means that if you can get good at ultra-focusing in on what's important, the 20% of things that are actually important, then you'll see great results, like 80% or higher grade. Now, in order to get ultra-focused on what's important, you need to get your big three goals for the quarter from your boss. If you're one of the lucky ones, then your company has a process in place that goes something like this. Leadership sets their goals, then your boss will set the goals for your team, aligning up to the leadership goals, and then your manager will work to set your specific three goals for yourself that align to the team goals. But the truth is, many companies are not that organized, so it's on you to make sure you ask for your goals. And you may have to ask more than once, but seriously, be persistent about this. Tell your manager you want to make sure that you're spending your time on things that are actually important for your company's goals. They'll like hearing this and they'll be more likely to make an effort to get guidance from their higher-ups if they need it so that they can ultimately give you your three big goals for the quarter. Once you've got your three goals, make sure that every single thing you work on aligns to hitting those three goals. I know we all struggle with things popping up unexpectedly or if you're like me, then you're definitely a yes person. But you've got to reel that in because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else because time is a limited resource. If you're spending time on things that don't actually align to your three big goals, you're losing time that you'll never get back and you could be using that time to get closer to those goals and ultimately moving you closer to the big professional and financial goals that you've set for yourself. Here's a pro tip that's worked well for me. If someone at work, like even a VP or somebody super high up in your company, comes to you and asks you to do something that doesn't align to your goals, let them know that you're currently laser focused and maxed out on the three big goals you're working on for the quarter. 
that will make a big impact for the company. But tell them if their request is important enough, you're open to a conversation between the two of you plus your manager in order to remove one of your current three goals and make space for the new request this person is asking of you. We are all maxed out, so do not take on more things without being clear with others that if you're going to take on something else, you need to put something that's currently on your plate off of it in order to make space for that new request. The big lesson here is around productivity and specifically how working on the things that matter most, aka your three big goals for the quarter, will ultimately result in the biggest impact and ultimately help you actually work less. But if you want to learn how to be even better at this, check out the six strategies I outline in my blog post called How I Tripled My Productivity in Two Months. I'll link to that in the show notes for you. And for anyone who feels hesitant about pushing back when people ask you to take on more, even though you may feel like you're being difficult, you're not. You are making sure that you're being productive and efficient. And if you do it politely and respectfully and just verbalize your intention that you just want to make sure you're working on the top three things that are going to make the biggest impact for your company, your manager will take notice in a good way. The next habit I want to talk about is being a team player. And I specifically put this here because after what I just said, you may not feel like that behavior is one of a team player, but let me help you reframe your mind because again, as long as you are polite and respectful and make a point to say you're trying to do what's best for the company, no one is going to think you're being difficult. You're literally saying you're trying to do what's best for the company, i.e. everyone. And if you're trying to do what's best for everyone, that's literally the definition of being a team player. Other ways to become known as a team player are to be present in meetings. I know you may think no one notices when you're not paying attention on a call or are pinging a friend or scrolling social behind the safety of a camera's off Zoom call, but trust me, they can tell. Put your phone on airplane mode, put your chat on do not disturb, and lean into the meeting. Pay attention, contribute where you can, and if you realize it's something you can't contribute to, consider asking your manager if that meeting is something you can remove from your calendar in the future in order to better focus on the three goals you've set for the quarter. Be sure to consistently share ideas, share information, share things that work well and things that don't. Be friendly, inclusive, approachable, and be helpful without compromising your own work boundaries. The idea is to create a reputation where you're someone who is easy to work with. Don't complain, adopt a can-do attitude, and try to have a general sense of optimism. I read a quote recently, actually, that says optimism is an intellectual choice, and I totally agree with that. Because you can always choose to look at the bright side, and when things aren't so bright, you can be willing to help put a plan in place to course correct. In general, just be a person that you'd like to be around. Because if you're that kind of a person, your manager will enjoy being around you too. They'll be more likely to think of you when opportunities arise, and they'll be more inclined to put your name on the shortlist for the good stuff. The fourth habit to start getting into is one that is easy to forget, especially in a professional environment, and that's to treat your manager or really any colleague or any person, like a human. This one will depend on the type of manager you have, because if they tend to be ultra-professional, it may not work, but I encourage you still to try, and what I mean by this is to just get to know them a little bit more regarding aspects outside of work. Ask them about their families, learn their kids' names or their pets' names, and what are their interests or their hobbies. Ask them about things they care about, 
And doing this will help you create a closer relationship with your boss beyond just work. It'll help you foster connections that will make your job more enjoyable and is likely to help you succeed. Something else I love to do, and that works well even if you do have a manager who is more on the professional-only side, is to send them your personality test results. I think people love this. My favorite time to do this is actually when I'm switching teams or employers or if I get a new boss. Generally, any time that I have a new manager, but you can still do it even if you've already had your boss for a while. I'll typically send them two slides. The first one will have a couple photos of myself, my husband, our pets, and maybe a few of my interests like travel and coffee. And then the second slide will have four columns, and the first column will have a bullet-pointed list of my interests and hobbies, and then the other three columns will show the results of three different personality tests. There are so many tests out there. You can pretty much take any one you want and drop the results in, but the ones that I've used are Team Space Snapshot, Myers-Briggs, and Quiet Revolution. Just do a quick Google search. Some of them are paid, but there are a ton of free ones. You can choose whichever ones you want. If you're sending this to a new manager, let them know that you're looking forward to working with them and that as a way to get to know each other better off the bat, you're sending them the results to your personality tests. If you're sending this to an existing manager, let them know that you've recently taken some personality tests and you found the results interesting. And although they probably have a good sense of the best ways to work with you already, you thought it would be helpful to share this to strengthen your relationship even further. In both cases, don't forget to ask them what their personality test results are too. People inherently love talking about themselves, and this is a good opportunity to learn more about your boss and how to best work with them. By sharing your results and receiving your manager's results, you're working to create an environment where the two of you can work together in the best way possible, and you're probably making yourself stand out because a lot of people don't do this. The final habit to adopt in order to make your manager notice you is to over-communicate. The reality is people would rather have too much information than not enough information, and checking in with your boss often helps keep you top of mind. However, don't just pop in for the sake of popping in. I mean, no one likes that, right? You need to make sure that when you check in with them, your updates are succinct and of value to them. If they're managers, they're probably super busy, even busier than you, believe it or not. So keep your updates short and make sure they align to things that your manager will actually care about. So ideally, your progress on the big three goals that you have for the quarter. These updates are also a good time to ask for support for any roadblocks keeping you from moving toward your goals. However, be sure to try to resolve those conflicts on your own first and mention what you've already tried before going to your manager for help. Bosses tend to respect people more that attempt to resolve problems first before coming to ask them for help. If regular updates are not already part of your system, tell your boss it's something you'd like to try and ask them how often they'd like to receive an update from you and in what format. Some managers like a quick phone call while others are good with a super short email. I personally love a quick email on Monday mornings with a list of my big three goals and beneath each goal, three to five short bullet points on what I've been doing to hit those goals. Then if there's ever a roadblock I can't work through by myself, I'll set up a 15-minute call with my boss to talk it through so I have the space to share what I've already tried, why it didn't work, and what I think my boss could do to be helpful. Trying to talk through something like that in an email would result in a super long note, so a quick phone call is best, in my opinion.
But remember, again, to ask your manager the type of communication they prefer and the frequency. At the end of the day, if they have a preference, it's best to just honor that. And definitely, definitely be sure to get into the habit of setting up those quarterly reviews where you'll show up with everything you've done to hit your big three goals, all of your metrics, what went well, where you can improve, and more. You want to be proactive about identifying areas that worked and things that didn't because your boss will respect this. They'll respect the self-assessment and they'll respect the fact that you didn't just show up looking to them to provide that information for you. They might have more information that they'll want to give you and add on to, but trust me, they'll appreciate the fact that you reflected beforehand. And just remember, your quarterly reviews are arguably the most important meetings you'll have, so just make sure that they're happening. While productivity is incredibly important in making sure you're on track for success in your job, and I do highly recommend you read that blog post I wrote on how I tripled my productivity in two months, these specific five habits can go a long way in helping your manager notice you and getting that name of yours on the shortlist for the things that can help your bank account do a happy dance. Remember, these are the habits that will make you stand out and really help increase your chances of landing a promotion or a salary increase. However, Oftentimes, you're still going to have to ask for exactly what you want. And while that can feel scary, by asking for specifically what you need in terms of your pay rate and providing the proof that you're worth it, you're much more likely to actually be successful in your ask. So if you're ready to implement the five habits we talked about in this episode and get the step-by-step plan on how to increase your chances for success in landing a pay raise, don't miss out on my free Make More Money Starter Kit. This starter kit will literally hold your hand as you walk through three decisions you'll need to make in order to be ready to secure a pay increase. It walks you through what's a realistic target number that you would feel great about, deciding on whether to stay in your current job or find a new one, and what your walkaway number is, aka the absolute minimum amount you're willing to accept before walking away from a job or a potential employer. Once you've made these three key decisions, you'll have an action plan on how exactly to go about landing the pay you want and the evidence you need to convince even the most doubting of managers that you're worth it. So don't miss your free copy of the Make More Money Starter Kit, which is available at jessicatoller.com slash get a raise or in the show notes at jessicatoller.com slash 006. And if you want even more support, go check out episode number five with the Make More Money Starter Kit in front of you. Because episode number five is essentially the audio companion to the Make More Money Starter Kit. So it can help you stay focused and on track as you work through the kit. You can grab episode number five at jessicatoller.com slash 005. Okay, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today. I have no doubt in my mind that if you implement the five habits we discussed and pair it with the three decisions outlined in the Make More Money Starter Kit, you'll have both your manager's respect and a specific plan to help you get paid what you deserve. I hope you'll join me on next week's episode as we deep dive into employer benefits or lack thereof and how you can use either scenario as a negotiation point to make more money that I hope you'll eventually invest so you can build a life that's more about life and less about work. I'll see you next Wednesday and until then, work less, live more, and keep on chasing your wildest dreams. Congratulations on finishing another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. If you want more, head over to jessicatolar.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share it with a friend. 
I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.